Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up? Glad to have you along. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online with you. It's supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. So whether you're a farmer with equipment needs or trying to buy a new piece of property or you're looking to build a dream house in the country or maybe you're going to buy a piece of recreational property, Mississippi Land Bank in North Mississippi is the way to go. For at least some parts of the state of Mississippi, school started back today. That was uh, that was the case for my kids Congrats. Um, yeah, they were excited. Uh, I got sent on a, uh, Rippy can testify to this, I got sent on a balloon run at uh, about 9 o'clock last night. Yeah, you did. I uh, I saw you passing through the square. Figured I'd just give you a buzz, see what's up. Yeah, Rippy hit me. He's like, hey, how's that red light treating you? I was like, what, are you behind me or something? He's like, nope, I'm sitting on the balcony uh, enjoying a cold one. I said, oh, okay. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I went to the grocery store to buy balloons and a few other things that my wife sent me for. Um, so, blueberry pancakes, fresh fruit, kids excited. You know... I should have just started yelling taxi and hopped in the back. You could have. Yeah, you, you certainly could have done <laughs> that. That would have given you another great Uber kind of story for us. Yeah. Um, hey, did, have you, did you experience this with your girls when they were younger? That in the summertime, when there is absolutely nothing stopping them from sleeping in, they got up early, and then immediately, when it was time to go back to school, all of a sudden they wanted to sleep? Now, my, my kids are, are very much like their father. They'll take advantage of a day off if they can get one. So, yeah, they, they, they did a pretty good job of sleeping in this summer. I got you. Well, no, I didn't necessarily mean that. I meant when they were younger. <sighs> Gosh, it's been so long, man, since they were like, young like that for me um i I think that the the oldest one would get up early the 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 little one has always been a a late sleeper i got you yeah that makes sense um francis in particular the baby who you know half the time wakes up in the middle of the night and ends up in bed with us uh which you know whatever last night not only sleeps through the night but sleeps through getting the other two kids um ready banging around and i have to go in at like 10 minutes till seven and kind of shake her around and pat her on the back and talk to her and wake her up and she gave me this why are you waking me up look 
It's like, where has this been all summer long? Why didn't you sleep when you had a chance? Now you have to get up. Sorry. But anyway, I don't guess it's that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, uh, back to school. Did, did you guys start school today in Starkville as well? They did. They did. Back to school today. And uh, both of them were moderately excited for it. Moderately yeah. seems to be, that's the kind word, I would think. Which is to say, not very much. Not, not really. No, nah, they were, they were, they enjoyed their summer. Yeah, I, uh, I understand, uh, understand what you mean. Um, you want to be uh, part of the conversation this afternoon? You can do so on the ceasefire text line. The number is 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. So, hey, Dad, how's your Wednesday? Been pretty solid. I haven't done much today. I had to switch my eating schedule around because, you know, I'm doing that thing that Moorhead does. I'm doing that intermittent fasting. And since we have Are practice you? tonight, yeah, I am. And uh, since we have practice tonight and then we have Coach Moorhead after, and then Joel and I will record the podcast after that, I didn't really want to eat dinner at like 11 o'clock. So uh, I had lunch today. So that's, a, that's a little bit of a change for me. So, so you're eating one meal per day? One meal per day. How long have you been doing this? Uh, since the Saturday I got back from New Orleans. Okay. Um, okay, so that's a week and a half now. Yeah. How's that working out for you? It's working out pretty good. I, I you know, I picked up some weight on the uh, the trip as I, as I thought I would, but I, I lost uh, I think seven pounds last week, so feeling pretty good. Fair enough. Uh, are you like starving all the time? No, it's 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 really weird. I'm I'm not. You know, I, I, maybe it's just a mental thing, and I, I'm sort of psyched myself into it. But I drink a lot of water, and, uh, and I eat my meal at the end of the uh, you know at dinner time. There you go. Well, good for you. I uh, I'm glad it's working out. Yeah, I, I'm still not convinced that this is all that healthy. But well, we'll um, see where it takes us. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Borky, everything good? Yeah, everything's good. Things have calmed down today after uh, yesterday's uh, flurry of political activity in and around the Super Talk Mississippi World headquarters. Yeah, it seems like everybody's a lot more relaxed around here today. They got the election over with. They did. Uh, uh, three hours of election coverage last night. I didn't get to talk to JT today, so I, I can't tell you how he's feeling after that. But everybody seems okay around here. Well, that's good. Uh, I listened to some of it. I thought it was good last night. A lot of a uh, lot of information to digest, and uh, got some runoffs coming up. So uh, you get three weeks, or I guess twenty days now, to get psyched up to uh, go back to the polls again for runoffs and. The voter turnout will be significantly less than it was. Uh, second highest primary voter turnout in Mississippi history, I think, is what I was told earlier today. Um, about 360, 370,000 people voted. Good job, hey, Dad. <laughs> you didn't go either. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll skip on all of that today. Yeah. Um, Bunch to get to this afternoon. Did anybody watch Hard Knocks last night? Did I watch Hard Knocks last night? There you go. I, I confessed yesterday to the fact that I did not have HBO. I don't know. Maybe I need to reload on HBO. I've gotten rid of it. I only have, I think, Showtime is like a bonus channel or a premium channel, whatever. Um, how was it? It was okay. Not the most entertaining uh, Hard Knocks episode out there. I mean, Derek Carr's kind of a weirdo. 
And his every segment that featured him was kind of just made you cringe. I, I don't know. It's something about him. He's He makes himself hard to like, if that makes any sense. Uh, got a lot of Jonathan Abram flavor. He was all over the place. Um, he even, in a no-contact drill, uh, full-blown, like, knocked the head off of one of their tight ends. And he and Gruden got into it, and he was, like, arguing back with John Gruden. It was a fascinating moment because in college, you don't do that. You can't get away with that. But the NFL is an entire – I mean, you see this every time you watch Hard Knocks. Uh, coaches have the final say, of course, but – it's almost like the players are on more equal footing because they went back and forth at each other. I mean, Abram was saying, what, you want me to not practice hard? What, what do you want? And they, there was a good back and forth between them where he was not going, yes, sir, won't happen again. It was, what do you want me to do, not practice hard? Tell me what you want me to do. So what, how did Gruden respond? Finally, Gruden said, don't do that again or we'll pull you off the field. Like, that's how it oh. ended. But it went on for a little while, which was kind of funny. Uh, he took Cleveland Farrell horseback riding, which was hilarious. Uh, Who Gruden did? No, uh, Jonathan Abram. Oh, yeah, he took uh, Cleveland Farrell horseback riding, which is so—I mean, Farrell's this big guy, right? He hops on top of a horse, and he looks like he's the most terrified he's ever been in his life. Huh? <laughs> uh, they ended up. What's hold- so weird about Derek Carr? I've heard a lot of people and read a lot of people say that that it, it was incredibly awkward with Derek Carr. I- I honestly don't know how to describe it other than he's just it's like he lacks social skills. And so when he when he's interviewed and asked to talk to people, he doesn't know how to do it. It's like I don't think he's a bad guy, but I think Borky was pretty spot on with that. It's like he's like it's almost like he like I I had I didn't watch the episode last night. I'm going to watch it tonight. Uh I just didn't get around to it last night, but it's almost like he's acting like he's playing the part of what he thinks like a quarterback should sound like, if that makes any sense at all, or just an athlete in general. More so than it actually like it comes off as a vibe as this is the way this guy is being himself. Does that make any sense? Th- that's exactly what it feels like. I don't Which, think he's malicious either. I, I don't know, think he's he just, a bad guy. Yeah. That kind of makes uh, Baker Mayfield more real even than we were talking about the other day, right? Yeah, because he doesn't try to be that. It, it, there was a forced moment where, where Carr was talking about the sunscreen he put on and he was trying to like rib a guy next to him about how, uh, well, you're just jealous, you're checking out my arms, and it just didn't fit. You know, He was just trying to be one of the guys and it just didn't work. Um, Ronald Ollie from Last Chance U was on the team for two practices before he faked an injury and Gruden cut him. Okay, you got to tell me more about that. He um, he said he had an Achilles injury, but wasn't going to the trainer because the trainer was clearing him to practice. And so Gruden just cut him. And just said, I want guys that want to be here. He's gone. Before they even put on pads. So they were still in the no-contact practices before he faked an injury and got cut. Beautiful. That's probably not the way to have a long and prosperous NFL career. Yeah, it's probably over already. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're glad to have you along. Deuce McAllister will join us next. We'll get some updates from Saints training camp as the New Orleans Saints march closer to their first preseason game coming up in just a couple, actually in a day. That's tomorrow. Back after this in the Renaissance Bank studio. I lied to you. My apologies. Did not intentionally lie to you. I thought that the Saints were part of that massive group of teams that were playing 
a Thursday night preseason game. You've actually got to wait one more day. So this Friday night at home, Saints and Vikings in the Dome. Kickoff at 7 o'clock Central Time. And uh, for those degenerates that are out there, New Orleans is a three-point favorite and the total's 37. How you feeling about that, Rippy? Wait, wait, what was it again? Vikings at Saints. Saints a three-point favorite. Total's 37. I think I'd have to know the backup quarterbacks, which I, I guess it's Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater would be one and of them. And do you know the Vikings backup? I don't. No. Um. Not Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, come on now. Jake Holfield Browning and Sean Mannion. Ooh. A little West Coast flair there, right? Probably go Bridgewater. Or, I mean, how can you go against the next Steve Young, Taysom Hill? Yeah, I, is that what they're going to do? Is they going to go? Are they going to go Bridgewater and then Taysom Hill? Yeah. After uh, and then JT after... Barrett will get some snaps as well. Yeah, I think okay. they'll go with Taysom Hill throwing the ball on third and long with Drew Brees yeah. <laughs> available and in the game. Uh, bunch of games, bunch of games happening on Thursday night. Colts are at Bills. Uh, my guess is Andrew Luck does not play in that game. He's been injured. Jets, Giants um, from MetLife Stadium. That game's on the NFL Network if you want to watch it. Redskins at the Browns, Patriots, Lions, Falcons, Dolphins, Titans, Eagles, Jaguars, Ravens, Panthers at the Bears, uh, Texans, Packers, Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Seahawks. Those those are all the Thursday games. And then in addition to the Saints, you've got the uh, Bucks and the Steelers playing on Friday and a handful of games on uh, on Saturday as well. Uh, having trouble catching up with Deuce right now, so maybe we can uh, get with him a little bit later on. Uh, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395 is the number for the C Spire text line. Love to have you jump uh, on board. Uh, Borky, you were talking about uh, Hard Knocks a moment ago and kind of the back and forth uh, with Jonathan Abram, and Josh in the Delta says, not real smart on Abram's part with the way Gruden kicks people off the team. <laughs> he plays too well for that. As Ollie was an undrafted free agent. I think he went to Nichols State, I believe. Um, That's correct. And he was an undrafted free agent, so that was an easy cut, but uh, Abram's going to be too good for them to be able to do that. He definitely, I don't know what he was like at Mississippi State. I didn't get to cover him every day. That, that dude's a talker. He, he's the defensive back, even though this doesn't happen, maybe ever, at least in college. If he gets the top blown off of him, I bet he's still talking. He's one of those hey. defensive backs, man. Just just will not stop. It's pretty uh, It's pretty obnoxious, but I guess. Hey, Dad, is, um, is Jonathan Abram smoot smack 2.0? There's something to that, yeah. There's, there's definitely he, he definitely had a, uh, a flair for, for the chit chat uh, out there on the field. Now, when he talked to the media, perfectly normal guy, very respectful. Talk to you about whatever you wanted to talk about. But uh, on the field, yeah, he, he, the, the, the motor runs and the mouth runs with it. Well, that's kind of boring then, isn't it? If, if, he, do, if he does that on the field, but then he doesn't give you the, um, the sound bites? I mean, I guess. It's a beautiful thing about this show, though, is he's mic'd up the entire time. Yeah, yeah. You see Antonio Brown's feet, by the way? No. So he the, he was a focus of the show, naturally. 
and he's been sitting out. And in the show, they didn't address this, maybe because they didn't want it to get out, but basically he's just sitting, not working in camp because he has what they would call just a foot injury. Turns out he burnt himself, or frostbit himself is more like it, in one of those chambers that they sit in. Oh, in the cryotherapy deals? Yes, he frostbit the bottom of both of his feet in one of those things. There's a picture floating on Twitter. I'll send you uh, send you one right now. Don't, don't, don't look at it. Wait. It's, so is this one? Was this like team prescribed cryotherapy? They didn't address it in the show. So this leaked because of Chris Sims on uh, Pro Football Talk, the NBC outlet. So he got in touch with somebody that knew, and then finally the picture leaked. But the team did not want this out there. Hard Knocks, which gives you everything, did not address this at all. Do you think they even hit it from the Hard Knocks people? I think so, yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I, it was gross photo. And, and I've heard people say Just that sent you, you that picture. Re- oh, okay. great. I can't wait to see it. It's like a rotten don't, potato. Don't do it. Uh, well, I mean, like I'm not going to look at it. Come on. Well, if you're going to look at it, look at it now so we get the reaction on the air. Yeah, that looks like it's painful. <laughs> it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. That was a pretty underwhelming reaction, honestly. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it just gets skin feeling off the sweet. So, I, 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 that's what I've got to wonder, though, if this is like team-prescribed cryotherapy. It's one of the training methods that they're using. Or if he like went off and did this on his own and had no idea what he was doing and then stayed in there too long. I have a would feeling you do, it's probably that. Would you try the cryotherapy, Borky? Oh, yeah, why not? What's it supposed to do? Like freeze fat cells off of you? Oh, I need to try. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then I would. Well, I think that's part of it, and then I think part of it is it makes you so cold that it causes your blood to pump faster and then pump more oxygen through uh, throughout your body, which may have to do with cell regeneration. But this whole Richard being a doctor thing probably not the best plan. <laughs> you better leave that to Rippy. La- yeah. Last thing on that. <laughs> last thing on that show. By the way, I'm sure you want to move on. Uh, the best moment was Antonio Brown's kids at practice wearing a Raiders helmet and a Raiders jersey asking where Ben Roethlisberger was. <laughs> oh, that's you think good. Roethlisberger was more personable than uh, than Derek Carr? Yeah, looks like it. Michael in Tupelo on the C Spire text line has a question. He says... It's his belief that what Haydad is doing to try and lose weight is not healthy. He said, my sister is a registered dietitian and has told me about what he's doing, and it's not the best thing to do to your body. I'm curious why Haydad is doing this. Well, what I was doing the previous 43 years probably wasn't the best thing to do to my body either, so I'm just going to switch it up see how it goes. Checkmate, buddy. You go, Haydad. There you go. Uh Fair enough. This has nothing to do with anything, but I was going through these practice notes, so I'm trying to finish up. There's a point today where Ole Miss's entire second-team offensive line was true freshmen. You had... Boy, that was a bit of a non-sequitur, Yeah, Rippy. sorry, sorry, sorry. I, could, I hey had man, to he's talking about practice. Let him go. No, I'm, yeah, I'm good with that. So this was practice number... Five. Third and full pads. First and full pads. No, they're in full pads on Monday. Oh, uh, shells. Shells? Yeah. Pretty sure shoulder helmets pads. And, helmets and shoulder pads, no leg pads. They call those That's shells. That's what shells is. Do they wear yeah. leg pads in practice nowadays? Eh, yeah, not really. Okay. But today really was the first day in games. full pads. Okay. They wear cups in football? No. Some might. Some no, can. no, you yeah. you don't wear cups in football. 
If I, I was a sinner, I would. Some people do. Uh, nobody does. Okay, Borky. Well, maybe nobody on your team did, but I know for a fact that somebody on my team did. Well, modern-day really football, nobody on the field in college football is wearing a cup. Just, hey, Dad, back when you played was not modern-day football. Back when you put on, <laughs> you, you'd put your leather helmet on and, and you wouldn't drink cup. any water. Uh, yes, I think the number of people that would uh, play football with a protective cup is uh, very slim. It's low. But, but Rippy, you say you would? Play, if I was a sinner, yeah, probably. I don't think you can do that if you're a sinner. Uh, you can. Well, I mean, I guess you could. They need the most to... clear path of anybody. They need uh, the the path of least resistance. You don't need something like, like that in the way. I just don't need to... It feels like we shouldn't go any farther down this yeah. road. <laughs> um, yeah, I was about to say something, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Good call. Uh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Oh, by the way, somebody pointed out that the uh, the less you sleep, the longer the summer actually lasts. That's true. That's a good point. What? I mean... It's not actually true, but it's a nice sentiment. It, f- it feels like that way, yeah. Yeah, the, the summer does not actually last longer based on the amount of time that you sleep. You just get to uh, theoretically soak in more of it. Just saying. Uh, anyway. This segment bounced all over the place. It, I kind of hijacked this. I'm not sorry, but... Yeah. Five freshmen, true freshmen, offensive linemen. According it, to my barely legible notes... That will be at supertalk.fm later. Not No big deal. Um, Broker at left tackle, Colquitt at left guard, Ramsey at center, Caleb Warren at right guard, and James at right tackle. All of them were playing high school football this time last year. Yeah, well. That's probably not what it's going to be, but that was just one set of reps today. It's interesting. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up with Deuce McAllister a little bit later today, and if not today, uh, maybe a little bit later in the week. On this day in 2007, 12 years ago, there was a milestone in Major League Baseball. Some say it was a tainted milestone. We'll let you know what that was when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Uh, much credit to at Hemp Hickman on Twitter. Yesterday, while I was struggling a bit to come up with the Pearl River Resort pick of the day, uh, Borky, he uh, encouraged me to go down the road of uh, MLS, to go with the uh, Atlanta United, who last night were an under, uh, was an underdog. Atlanta United was an underdog uh, at uh, Orlando. It's a good call. The 2 nothing win. You like that? 2 nil. 2 nil. Eh. Say it right. Get the terminology. Season starts this weekend. America, though, because that seems like an English thing. Because they also call it football. Season starts this weekend, uh, Borky. I'll be at your house on Sunday. Well, I'm sorry, Rippy. I keep getting starts this weekend. What season starts? Premier League. Well, I mean, why can't we follow the American teams? Well, I mean, if you want to follow Double A baseball, go right ahead. I'm going to follow the best teams in the best league in the world. The last two days, Richard's really made an effort to paint Haydad as like a Benedict Arnold type here. I know, man. It's just, it's just well, rough. I mean, he, he like loves Russia. I know. I think he's a spy. <laughs> Are you a spy? Well, 
You know, I used to get a lot of "Are you a terrorist?" kind of reference, but now we're going with the, the spy thing. Okay, we'll we'll go there. No, yeah, I'm not. I, I, w- I wasn't painting with the uh, same brush that those were painting with that ask if you were a terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really yeah, this, my jam, there, this buddy. Is much better. A spy. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I am. I am not a spy. I couldn't be a spy. I can barely keep. I can't really keep secrets. Well, you're a Chelsea guy, right? Yeah. Oh, so at least at least he gets to cheer for the greatest American player to have ever been born. Funny story. There's Chelsea's uh, owner is a uh, Russian oligarch. So maybe Ooh. I am a Russian. I don't know. Yeah. So is the Brooklyn Nets owner. Yeah. Yeah. It all works the same. Same guy? No, not the same guy. Oh wait, who owns Chelsea? Um. Roman Abramovich. Ro- Roman Abramovich. Yeah. yeah. Read a really interesting book about him not too terribly long ago. I can believe that. Yeah, that and a bunch of other guys in Russia. Whew. It's a rough place. It is a rough, rough place. Uh, Abramovich is pretty big time, though. Or at least yeah. he used to be. Yeah. Uh, on this day in 2007, it sounded like this. Deals. And Barnes hits one high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. 7.56. Barnes stands alone. He is on top of the all-time home run list. That was the home run in 2007 that allowed Barry Bonds to pass Hank Aaron. That was number 756. He would hit six more home runs and finish his baseball career with 762 career long balls. Hank Aaron second on the list at 755. Many like to claim that Hank Aaron is still the home run king. Babe Ruth hit 714. A-Rod is fourth on the list at 696, and then Willie Mays is fifth at 660. There is an active player that has a chance to pass Willie Mays, pretty good chance, and could theoretically pass A-Rod as well. Rippy, do you know who that active player is? Say that one more time. There is a the, the, the player that is currently sixth all-time in home runs hit, in Major League Baseball as an active player. He has a chance, pretty good chance, to pass Willie Mays and could potentially pass A-Rod, who's sitting at fourth on the list as well. Do you know who the player is? It would... I'm trying to think. Age-wise, there's really not anyone still left other than probably Pujols that would be anywhere close to that. Did you really look that up and then like slow play it to get the right answer? No, I got my practice notes up, man. Pujols is that right? Is sitting at six fifty. Well, the one I would have guessed until about two years ago would have been Alex Rodriguez. But there's really no one in the game right now that would be anywhere in that neighborhood because most of these. Well, except for guys, the fact that I just told you he had a chance to also catch a rod. Oh, uh, in one ear out the other. Well, he did a nice job listening to the composition of the question. Hey, that's how I handled the ACT. Pujols at six. That practice article is going to be fire, though. So just get ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Pujols at sixth on the list with 650. Willie Mays at fifth with 660. A Rod's got 696 at number four. And then it's Ruth, Aaron, and Bonds. Golly. I know, I know Pujols is way over the hill, but if you're still an active everyday player 
for a team that's you know not tanking but not necessarily great. And he has 650 home runs. That's pretty wild to think about. Does Pujols play long enough to hit 50 more and get to 700 career home runs? And what? That's probably three more three seasons. More seasons. I don't. The think rest of this year and two more. It could be done at two. I mean, is it really unthinkable he goes 25 and 25 or somewhere like that? Well, but, I mean, he's got, what, 40 games left this year? Right. So that would be 20 and 20. If so so if he hits five left this year and goes 22-23 or 23-22, he could get there? What is his age? Who's your favorite home run hitter to have ever watched? Oh, I don't know, man. He's 39. Okay. It's possible. I mean, hey, Dad, who's your favorite home run hitter to have watched? When I was a kid, my favorite player was Dale Murphy uh, for a okay. little while, and then it was Will Clark. But Will Clark, now, you know, I don't consider him a home run hitter, you know. Uh, so I'm, I guess I'm going to have to say Bonds, being a Giants fan. I mean, there, there's only one correct answer here, by the way. Oh, uh, oh you, is there? you did not get it. Oh, I'm 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 so sorry. I have an under-the-radar one I really enjoyed. Okay. Gary Sheffield. Ooh. it's an interesting... The The only correct answer is Junior Griffey. Because it was just so smooth. Yeah, it was It was quite majestic. Oh. He had a great swing. Um, What an unbelievable swing. And if not for injuries, he's probably sitting where Barry Bonds is. Watching Stanton's pretty fun because whenever he actually gets into one, it looks like he's actually trying to inflict pain on the inanimate object. <laughs> I mean, it is violent, but yeah, it is great. It, it is, which is a little bit of a, a contrast to Aaron Judge, who doesn't have huge home run numbers this year, but his is like flick of the wrist stuff. And so many of them are opposite field home runs, maybe because well, you can do that it's when like, you're seven foot four and 481 pounds. And if and you're talking about enjoying watching that, Acuna's got to be up there, too. You're right. His power to all fields is remarkable. That was, to me, was the coolest part of the Home Run Derby. Well, that's not fair. That was one of the really cool things in the Home Run Derby, to watch the spray chart when Ronald Acuna was hitting. Because it was like, I'm just going to use the whole ballpark just because. Cody Bellinger's pretty fun, too. I don't like that guy. There are a lot of really... Did you say I don't like that guy? Yeah, I don't like him. Because he wears a blue and white uniform. Period. That's what did, did, was I, I? I wasn't sure. I wasn't clear there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Wouldn't uh, you? Or, or at least I understand what you're saying. Go ahead, Borgie. Uh, wouldn't you agree though that I mean, in modern history, the most exciting regular season was McGuire versus Sosa. 136 Not- combined home runs between the two. Chasing that record, yes. I barely remember. I was I was six years old, and it old. brought baseball back. You were older than six, Borky. I think I was like six. What year was it? Was ninety eight? I was six, but I remember it vividly. I mean, that's like my oldest sports memory. Is my dad told me I've got to watch these two guys every night. I was three, so you don't remember a whole lot about the uh, summer of love with uh, Griffey and Sosa. Excuse me, with McGuire and Sosa. Not not a whole lot. I, was, I don't know what I was doing at age three. Hey, Dad, do you remember as that summer unfolded, we got later and later into the year, and all of a sudden, that was back when everybody watched ESPN all oh, the yeah. time. Yeah. And every single at-bat they broke in live coverage of 
for both of them down that stretch. And it was people were glued to the television every night. I mean, you had you had that. You know, you never missed baseball tonight. You never missed Sports Center because you wanted to see the highlights and everything. And you know, I mean, midweek. Cardinal and Cubs. I mean, the Cubs were always sort of a big deal here in Mississippi because almost everybody had WGN, and the Cardinals were sort of the big deal. But nationally, everybody was watching these two teams. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. '98. I don't off the top of my head who won the World Series that year. I can't. I couldn't tell you. Probably the Yankees if I had to guess. But those two teams weren't even in a playoff chase. It was just we're, we're, we're hitting home runs. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I, I still believe. And I think most people would tell you that that was the summer that baseball came back because you had the lingering frustration over the 1994 strike, and it had been a slow build back, and then all of a sudden people came back in droves. You didn't have a World Series in 1994. didn't exist. And then the Braves beat the Indians in 95, and that was pretty good. And the Yankees beat the Braves in 96, and that was a great World Series. And then you had the Marlins win one, and then, yes, the Yankees did win it. That was the first of three in a row for the Yankees in 98, followed it up in 99 and 2000. But it was that that was what got people back to Major League Baseball. And it was the most compelling storyline of the entire summer. And it was so much fun. I don't know if you had two guys chasing the single-season record this year if it would be as compelling as that was. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Back with you, wrapping up the 3 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Let's have a quick conversation on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team with Deuce McAllister as the Saints get ready for their first preseason game. It's coming up on Friday. Deuce, the the biggest question going in, and we talked about it the last time we visited with you, was Michael Thomas and whether the deal was going to get done. It did get done. Is there any drama whatsoever at Saints camp since that deal is now done? None none whatsoever. I think the biggest thing that they're dealing with is going to be, can they keep guys healthy or close to 100% as possible as they head uh, into the regular season? I mean, listen, there's still battles uh, going on uh, to be able to make this 53-man roster. And, and to be honest, I think it's probably um, six or seven guys. Uh, but pretty much this team this team is pretty pretty, pretty set uh, in, in a lot of different ways, and that, that's a good thing. Deuce, what do you want to see on Friday night against the Vikings? No injuries. My, I mean, that's mm. probably the most important thing for me. But I really want to see guys go out and compete and, and play fast. Uh I don't think you'll see Drew Brees. I don't think you'll see Alvin Kamara. I don't think you'll see uh, Cam Jordan. You may not even see Michael Thomas. So for me, it's, a, it's an opportunity for a guy like Traquan Smith to show that he has improved, you know, and he, 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 he's ready to take that next step. You know, there's a battle at defensive tackle uh, on this squad right now. Both of the Saints tackle, whether you're talking David Onyemata or Sheldon Rankins, will not be available for game one. So you you have a Mario Edwards Jr. You have uh, a Malcolm Brown, uh, uh, Ziggy Hood, uh, Sylvester Williams, uh, and and even a guy that was on the squad and played a, la- a lot last year, Taylor Stallworth. There are about five or six guys vying for really four positions uh, as far as defensive tackles are concerned on this team, and so. 
I want I want to see that. The other part is in the secondary. Can this defense create turnovers? Uh, they did an outstanding job last year against the run, stopping the run, number two run team as far as run defense is concerned. But can they create more turnovers to give this offense opportunities? And then it is a battle right now in the return game, whether we're talking punt return, whether we're talking kickoff return. St. Son, Marcus Sorrells, young man, played a long time. He's from Minnesota. They want to see what he has, but there's a, a young man, Sorrell Grayson, a former track athlete from right here at Metairie, Louisiana, that is you know, kind of vying for that position as well. So there's some battles that will be had, but you know, for me, guys, to stay healthy and to go out and compete. Deuce McAllister on your radio. I, I got to get you to weigh on a, in on this because you played the position. You've been in the NFL. We know careers don't last a long time, and you've got to get as much as you can get financially as quickly as you can get it because, again, it doesn't last long. But I'm having trouble understanding the Ezekiel Elliott holdout because he's not going to be a free agent next year. So so it seems to me like that takes away some of his leverage. It made sense with Le'Veon Bell because even if he sat out the whole year, he had free agency coming up, and there was nothing anybody could do to stop it. What do we do with Ezekiel Elliott? Ezekiel Elliott is in a, uh, a curious position. One, because he's a running back. And like you said, they don't last as far as careers don't last. But with his leverage as far as leading the league the last couple of years, I think it's two out of the last three years as far as running is concerned, he technically has two more years. They, you know, they, Obviously, uh, the Cowboys will option him his fifth year, and you know he'll have two years counting this year and next year. And so for him, he's trying to use that leverage of, uh, I've played three years in the NFL. They can give him a new contract now. He is trying to leverage that and say, I want to be paid now. Not if I have a so-so year, year four, and then you guys take care of me, but go ahead and get it done now. For What what hurts him is they're trying to do, get their quarterback as receiver done as well. So there's only so much of a pie to be able to break up, and now the Cowboys have to figure out how can they distribute those those funds. Uh, you know, I read one report where they're looking at making all three of them the top five in their, in their, at their position as far as payment is concerned, if they do that, they're going to hurt themselves and, and, and force maybe some good young players that they can't afford uh, pretty much in the next two years. But but aren't they looking at the last time they had success, like legitimate success? They had Aikman, and they had Irvin, and Aikman, they had Emmett Smith. And they had Emmett Smith, and if you go back and remember, Emmett held out. Emmett actually missed two games, and Jerry Jones caved when they started 0-2. He was still coming off the rushing champion, et cetera. You know, so that that is what they're looking at. That's what they are trying, you know, to be able to nail in. The only problem I think that they have is how free agency has already set that team up and they have some big contracts already. You look at the left tackle, you look at the defensive end, Lawrence, and mm-hmm. you look at Tyron Smith and Martin, you know, that's just a lot of funds that they already have tied up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. I, I get it, and I'm all for guys getting money. I just wonder if uh, uh, if the leverage really is there right now for Ezekiel Elliott. Deuce, always uh, enjoy our chats. know this one was shorter than normal, but appreciate you squeezing us in this afternoon. Good talking to you. No problem. Likewise, Richard. That's Deuce McAllister on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Leading rusher in the league, two out of the last three years. Eligible for a new contract if the team is willing to do it. But the issue is, got to pay Dak, got to pay Amari, got to pay Zeke too. 
What are you going to do? Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. John Harris from the Houston Texans, HoustonTexans.com, the website Football Takeover on Twitter at uh, J. Harris Football. Those are all the places that you can get to our man uh, who is uh, spending some time in Wisconsin. What's up, John? What's going on, Richard? Yes, I'm actually, uh, it's been kind of neat. I've been able to uh, see a lot of family this week. In fact, I'm just driving back to Green Bay from seeing my parents. They live 45 minutes north of Green Bay. So whenever you watch a game, you think Green Bay is cold. I think 45 minutes north is even colder, and that's where my parents decided to retire. They didn't retire in Florida or down in the south or in Houston where they used to live. No, they wanted to retire in northeastern Wisconsin. So Why? I don't know what that means uh, for them for the rest of their lives, but I know that I'm not going to be visiting them in the winter. Yeah, but the summer's pretty nice, right? Oh, the summer's been great. Now, Monday was hot. I mean, not not our hot, but it was hot. I mean, people up here, it was a heat wave, but, you know, uh, Tuesday's practice, it was 75, and it was it was gorgeous. So, you know, the summer and the fall, they've, they've got that right. Spring can be a little nasty, but the winter, <laughs> I don't want to be shoveling snow again. I know that's for a fact, but I know they have to, but, but they love it, and it was really cool to be able to, watch a Packers practice. I grew up actually here in Wisconsin and moved to Houston when I was 11. So I grew up as a huge Packers fan and being able to watch Packers practice with my dad on Monday is maybe one of the coolest things I was ever able to do. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. John, the practices have been intense. I was watching uh, Scott Van Pelt's show last night. Matt LaFleur says he loves it. He wishes that they could uh, do more of this. Talking about the Packers head coach where they uh, have dual practices or practices with two teams. Aaron Rodgers, not a fan, and he said if they ever do it again, it will be too soon. I'm paraphrasing. Uh, there's been a little uh, little activity with these two teams over the last couple of days, haven't, hasn't there? Yeah. You know, you bring a little bit of that SEC flavor up to Wisconsin and uh, things go sideways. Uh, because Lonnie Johnson, the corner from Kentucky, that's kind of what started it all on, on Monday. He laid a hit on Jay Sternberg, the tight end from Texas A&M, and they stood over him and flexed a little bit. And it's one of those things that you know, Matt LaFleur had talked to the Packers about, Bill Bryant had talked to the Texans about, and I think it just sort of fell on you know a rookie's deaf ears in some sense with Lonnie Johnson. He was just trying to, trying to make a play and, uh, you got to you know, look. Lonnie plays the game with a brick-sized chip on his shoulder, and he came through. And that sort of started it. But I uh, listen. Which I've gone to these joint practices for six years now, and I have never, never heard anybody. I mean, never heard anybody go. Yeah, I wish we wouldn't have done that. I wish we wouldn't have had joint practices. I've never heard that before until Aaron Rodgers yesterday. And you know, you look. People are wondering how. That relationship of Aaron Rodgers and 38-year-old Matt LaFleur is going to go. And Matt LaFleur says, man, we loved it. We got a lot of great work done. And Rodgers is saying, nah, that was, that was not fun. We shouldn't do that. Hopefully it's another 14 years before they do that again. That's, that's going to be one of those things that if this relationship goes south, 
that's one of the things that people will look back on and say, see, that's where that's where it started. And that's the kind of thing that, unfortunately, you know, Aaron has been part of the last few years with Green Bay. And it just doesn't look like it's going to change. I mean, nobody, nobody gets upset with these joint practices. They're great. But you know what? The Packers offense got its butt kicked. It really, they really got, the Texas defense got after them pretty good. And I think that was part of it. But I've never heard anybody say that until Aaron Rodgers said that. And I know our guys love them. Our guys are like, we don't care. They got Dance Party USA when the music's going. Our offensive guys are dancing all over the field. And they hmm. score touchdowns on three consecutive plays. So it's like, you know, if you're going to be asked to do it, go do it. I don't care how many years you've been in the league or the fact that you're a Hall of Famer and you won a Super Bowl. Coach is asking you to go against a different team. Accept it. Do it. And get better. And he was like, nah, this doesn't make us better. Like, hell, it doesn't. I mean, if you really put in the time, you're going to get something out of it. He just didn't want to put in the time. It was kind of a sad thing for him to say, but Texans didn't care because the Texans knew over those two days they were the dominant team in those practices against the Packers. That's well, uh, it's really interesting perspective. Give me an update on Deshaun Watson. How, how has he looked leading up to the uh, first preseason game? Well, as you know, it's interesting because I, I feel like when I'm asked about Deshaun, you start with what's around him and what protects him. And I think the guys around him, the weapons around him are healthy right now and hopefully they stay healthy. The offensive line has gotten better. And that's allowed Deshaun to do more. The game is slowing down for him. He is seeing throws that maybe he didn't see at this time last year. Last year he was coming off the ACL tear. You know, we didn't know how he was going to take being hit or being tackled. Like, could he still scramble effectively? He's been able to do all of that. He had great practices, a great practice yesterday against the Packers. I really focused on the offense yesterday. He made some throws yesterday. He was protected. He got he got roughed up by Zedarius Smith, that Kentucky thing, I think. But Zedarius knocked him down one time. A little rough, but Deshaun popped right up. And when he was asked about joint practices, he was like, yeah, I love them. We need them. So he gets it. He understands that seeing a different team raises his level of play. So he had a year last year that was historic. 4,000 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 500-plus yards rushing, six touchdowns rushing. No quarterback in the history of the NFL had ever done that. He did that. He had an offensive line again of 62 sacks without Will Fuller, his speedy receiver, without a running game the last probably five weeks of the year and coming off an ACL tear. If he has all his guys healthy, the offensive line is better, who's to say what Deshaun Watson cannot do this year in 2019? I mean, from a fantasy perspective, if, when it's time to take a quarterback, that's one of the guys I'm going to think about heavily before a lot of guys in this league. I'll think about Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, everybody wants Patrick Mahomes, and for good reason. But Deshaun yeah. Watson's going to be able to put up some fancy numbers that people will love as well. I know you've got uh, a ton of respect, John, for Tom Brady, uh, to to the extent that you would really like him to retire so you don't have to see him anymore. But but when you've talked about him in the past, you've talked about him glowingly, uh, what do you make of, of, of the idea of him playing for another couple of years, another three years? We know that the, the contract addition that he got, the $8 million raise, in effect, is just a one-year deal this year, but there's some options, and they could very easily continue and extend it out. You know, I saw this whole, in this whole thing about, oh, he could become a free agent at the end of the year, they can't franchise him, they can't transition tag him, they can't do all that. I, it, it would be really – I mean, 
when you play for 20 years for the Patriots, you're so synonymous with that team. You know, it's Johnny Unitas playing for the Chargers and Emmitt Smith playing for the Cardinals. It's hard to see him still playing at a high level, playing for a different team. But the guy proved last year at 41 in the biggest game all year, put the offense on my back, I'll carry you. And he did that against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, he didn't have the greatest statistical year, and there were times where, you know, there were some there were some chinks in the armor, but he dealt with Edelman missing for four games, Gronk in and out of the line because of injury, and slowed all year long. Josh Gordon looked like he was going to be the guy, but then he went out because of a drug suspension. But he found his way in the playoffs when it mattered most. And that really is all it takes for the Patriots because you know they're going to make the playoffs. He'll continue to make those plays. I mean, you're right. I speak glowingly of him for a reason because I think he is unbelievable. I think he throws he throws the he throws the most incredible ball for a guy that's in the greatest arm, the way he can get rid of the football, how cool and calm he is under pressure. And I've seen it way too often to be happy about it. I hope he retires. I hope he retires. But when he's playing at that level, I appreciate getting to see him live up close. Even though he's beating my team, I will always, I will go to my grave appreciating the fact that I got a chance to see him play. Yeah, I, I know that you uh, you hope that he retires. Um, but only a minute or so until the break, and, and then we'll kind of continue the conversation. Uh, I asked Deuce McAllister this just a little while ago. What do you want to see out of the first preseason game? Well, another thing I don't want to see, and that's the cart come out for anybody. I mean, I want to make sure that everybody stays healthy. First thing Deuce said also. And, and, and I think that's what everybody should be thinking about is, you know, staying healthy. But I think what you would like to be able to see is a few young players step up and make some plays. Maybe some guys that haven't done it in training camp, you know, they do it under the bright light. And then that gives them confidence moving into week two. You know, hopefully that's something that does happen. Or somebody that, you know, didn't play well last year that you know needs to play well has a solid game, builds some confidence. To me, it's about health and confidence. Which guys make some plays that build confidence going into week two? And we got the Lions coming to town for a couple practices in their preseason game. Which guy gets a kickstart into that week with a really solid performance against the Green Bay Packers? That, to me, is the most important thing outside of health. It's which guys step up to answer the bell that you may not have thought we're going to get opportunities throughout the year. But all of a sudden, these guys step up and start making plays. You can rely on them as preseason goes on, and maybe it it propels them towards making the 53-man roster. Hey, John, sit tight for just a second. We'll continue the conversation in three minutes with John Harris. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Visiting on the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. John Harris from the Houston Texans, Texans Radio and uh, HoustonTexans.com. Uh, I know the Cowboys aren't your team, but there's a fascinating dynamic that's going on right now. And it's, uh, I guess, a dynamic that most teams somewhere along the way have to deal with. I just don't know, John, if it's where you got to pay your quarterback, your best wide receiver, and your running back all at the same time. Uh, that's what Dallas is trying to pull off. I guess the difference, though, is that Ezekiel Elliott, who is in holdout mode right now, is not a free agent 
next year. How difficult a spot is Dallas in right now, and how much leverage does Zeke Elliott actually have? I don't think he has much leverage at all, to be honest, because if if the thought is, hey, I'm just going to sit out, I'm going to continue to sit out and, and not play, well, guess what? You still have two years remaining on your deal. You're, I mean, the Cowboys can just sit there and play a big game of chicken with him. And is Ezekiel Elliott going to want to continue to keep sitting out? I mean, this, can, this game of chicken can just go on for a while. Now, in the past, Jerry has blinked. When they started 0-2 and Emmitt Smith wanted a new contract, Emmitt got a new contract and the Cowboys went that next year to the Super Bowl and won another Super Bowl uh, after the Cowboys went 0-2. So if the Cowboys start 0-2 and somehow Zeke's not there, uh, he might get his new deal. Here's the thing with the Cowboys, and I think this is the interesting aspect of this. The Cowboys have been a rare team in some sense that their offense revolves around Ezekiel Elliott. Almost every other team in the league, the offense revolves around what the quarterback can do. But in Dallas, it really goes as Zeke goes. They built an offensive line, Zeke's the guy, and they have obviously a capable quarterback in Dak Prescott but it's so geared towards what Zeke can do. So that if Zeke is holding out, and now Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator, how do they change things without Zeke? And so maybe this is good for the Cowboys that, hey, Dak Prescott can do this without Zeke. Dak Prescott, we can put the offense and revolve uh, evolve the offense around Dak. He's the guy. Because when you have a quarterback, and, I, and I've said this a lot, when you have a quarterback – then you better hang on. And I know some people are like, oh, Dak doesn't do this well or Dak doesn't do that well. Look, I've seen our team without a quarterback, and I've seen our team have a franchise quarterback. I've seen the difference. I've seen Dallas not have a guy, and I've seen them with Dak Prescott. Just appreciate what you have. So to me, if Kellen Moore can take that offense and mold it around what Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and their offensive line can do together, Guess what? The Cowboys really have the leverage. But if it's proven that Dak really know that, then Zeke's going to get paid and they're going to rely on Zeke. To me, that's the biggest thing about the Cowboys. I would never pay a running back. And that's just me. I'm one of those guys. I just don't know that there is value in paying a running back in today's NFL. But if my offense is completely and totally 100% spun around that running back if it's been that way and he's my most important offensive player, then I've got to find a way to pay him. So that'll be interesting. But to me, what they do with with Dak and Amari, I I don't – they're, they're in such a position. Actually, in Houston, we kind of love it. But we're going to be in that position in a little <laughs> while. we got to pay Deshaun Watson. Yeah, we got to figure out what to do with Javion Clowney. And J.J. Watt's going to be coming up here in about a year or two. So we, we're going to have a situation like that. It's the business of football. At some point, you may have to decide who's more important, Dak and Amari, Dak and Zeke, or Ezekiel Elliott overall. And that's what you got to figure out. Man, I, I don't I, – I, I feel for Jerry from that perspective because you drafted Dak, you drafted Zeke, you'd like to be able to grow and keep your own. But the business of the NFL just doesn't allow you to do that. So – this one's going to play out in Dallas. Does Dak ultimately get a $30 million deal? I don't know. 
know if it's thirty million. I do think he'll get a significant deal. I think it's somewhere between twenty five and thirty. And and, I think and, and, and let me interrupt for a second, John, be because maybe the better question is 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 it less about average per year and more about guaranteed money? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's no question that that's what it is about. How much guaranteed money are you going to get? I mean, if you think about Kirk Cousins, for instance, Kirk Cousins got three years, eighty-four million, and the whole thing is guaranteed. Now that's twenty-eight million per year. Now, if you ask me, and you just did, so I'll tell you, I would take Dak Prescott before I would take Kirk Cousins. So if Dallas offered some sort of three years at eighty-four million, yeah, he doesn't get to thirty million, but he's getting eighty-four million guaranteed. He's guaranteed to be the starting quarterback for three years, no questions asked in Dallas. I think that's going to be the key. And I'm curious to see, and one thing about it is they're both fourth-round picks, which is interesting, but I'm curious to see if Jerry is, is desirable, if it's desirable for him to give Dak a fully guaranteed deal. Because to me, if I'm Dak and, he, and they offer me, I don't know, uh, three years at 80 and it's fully guaranteed, I'd I'd probably take that, and I'm done with it. I just don't know if Jerry will go in that direction. I don't know if we have fully gotten to that point of fully guaranteed deals for all of our quarterbacks, but if they are, and I'm Dak, I'd probably take it. I know he's a better quarterback overall. He's a guy I'd want over Kirk Cousins. So the Kirk Cousins, Cousins deal to me, if I'm Dak, that's the baseline. Let's start talking from there. I don't know if that's where Jerry is, but that's what I would pay Dak, and I'd feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Uh, certainly is an interesting dynamic. Is that the most compelling storyline in the NFL right now? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the Cowboys are always a talking point. I think, you know, with Hard Knocks, and I've, I haven't had a chance to watch Hard Knocks because we've been up in Green Bay and don't have our HBO up here, and it's Green Bay, so, I mean, I don't know when I'll get it. But either way, the, <laughs> the, the Raiders on Hard Knocks, that'll be a talking point. You know, with Gruden, you know, is there something that comes out of Hard Knocks? You know, people are talking about that. I think that's a big deal. Here's the other one to keep an eye on, Richard, and I think this will be a really big deal because it's been talked about for a, for a while that the NFL wants to get a new collective bargain agreement done by the start of the season. Now, it's really kind of, kind of bubbling below the surface right now, but the deadline the NFL has, and it's an artificial one because the deal goes through next year. But the NFL has said, we want this done now. I think that could be a very big storyline that CBA needed to be agreed upon by the NFL PA and the NFL. And because the NFL wants it to happen, I think the NFL PA is in a pretty good position to get some things that they, that they really want to get to make sure that the NFL gets its deal. So I think this is an opportunity for the players to really speak up and say, hey, here's what we want. If we want to get it done, then, hey, let's get the NFL for all their work. And the NFL says, yeah, we just want a deal done going into this year. We don't want this thing to drag on. But I think that's a story that will pop up in the next couple of weeks if there's not an agreed-upon deal in the foreseeable future. Because if it doesn't get done, then I think we're going to start to hear this, oh, hey, players, you need to save your money because there's going to be a strike or there's going to be a lockout in 2021 or whatever the case might be. I think that's going to be a big storyline. But as far as the teams themselves, individual teams and players, I think the Cowboys with those three stars needing to be paid, I think those are definite big stories. And throw Melvin Gordon, the right back from the Chargers, on top of that, too. 
I think that's a big part. And he kind of goes part and parcel with Zeke in some sense with the Chargers. So I think those holdouts are, are always a story. But I think the NFL-PA-NFL relationship and what happens over the next three weeks will tell us what NFL football could eventually be like in the next couple of years. Really fascinating stuff, and you're right. That is a story that uh, is bubbling below the surface. It's not getting much attention right now, so something that will be uh, worth keeping an eye on. John, always appreciate your time. Safe travels. Glad to get to see your family a little bit, and uh, always uh, uh, look forward to talking to you, my friend. You're the best, Richard, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, brother. That's John Harris from uh, the Houston Texans. He's the sideline reporter for their radio network, host radio shows, preview shows, uh, Texans shows on the radio in Houston, does some TV, television work as well, and a uh, lot of information there. Uh, he said he would choose Dak over Kirk Cousins, which I think a lot. I think most people would. I think, um, and said the NFL would like to get a new CBA done before the start of the year. So we'll see where some of that goes uh, as we move forward. We'll talk a little bit about what uh, John had to say when we come back also. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Also, when we come back, we will continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Super Talk Mississippi, ceasefire text line open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. It is Wednesday, that's usually a getaway day in Major League Baseball, and I uh, got some finals so far today. Uh, Mets beat the Miami Marlins, and don't look now, but here come the New York Mets, all of a sudden uh, they're kind of a sexy team in terms of wild card. Ultimately, Rippy, do the Mets make the playoffs? Hard to say, honestly, because there's so much mediocrity in the National League. There's all kinds of teams, and I mean, like the Reds have been playing better lately, and they have a series against the Cubs this weekend. And if they actually take three or four, they're right back within three or four games. So it's really hard to tell. I would lean no. I think it probably ends up being the Nationals and then a team from the Central. but Okay. Um, so the Mets beat the Marlins today. White Sox over the Tigers. Indians 2-zip over the Rangers. Blue Jays win 4-3 to over the Tampa Bay Rays. Atlanta wins again, up uh, 11-7. to Braves hit four home runs, including two from Ozzie Albies. Uh, Ronald Acuna and Freddie Freeman had home runs as well. Astros beat the Rockies. Uh, this just in, the Astros are really good. Cubs 10-1 to over the Athletics as well. And when you look at the standings right now, and it's kind of too early, Yanks lead the American League East, but it's getting less and less too early. I mean, you're sitting on about 40 games to play. They're winning the division. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying the standings are kind of starting to matter. Uh, Twins with a uh, two-game lead in the loss column over the Indians in the AL Central. Astros are up ten games on the A's. Braves lead their division by a comfortable margin, six and a half in front of the Nats. Cubs are three in front of the Cardinals now. Cubs playing good baseball. Dodgers up 18 games over the Diamondbacks. The wild card standings, though, are what are most fascinating. Right now, the American League wild card uh, would be or wild cards would be Cleveland and Tampa Bay, with the A's 
having a chance. After that, it turns into long shot stuff. Boston Red Sox are six back of the second wild card spot. In the National League, currently it would be the Nationals and the Phillies. How about that division? But then you've got the Cardinals half a game out of the second wild card spot. The Brewers and the Mets are both just one back. And hey, Dad, San Francisco Giants at two games below 500 are three and a half back. Does that give you hope, hey, Dad, or too many good teams in front of you? I think we lost him for a second. Um, fascinating races, though, as you uh, you kind of look all over the place. Sports Talk Mississippi, glad to have you along. It's time for us to continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three. We go to the West Coast, we go to the Pac-12, team number 24 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. That's all right, Stanford Cardinal. Cardinal went 9-4 and four last year under David Shaw in his eighth season, rolling into season number nine. Stanford won nine games last year, nine games the year before, ten the year before that, twelve before that, and back in 2014, they won eight games. Bryce Love is gone. Last season, such a disappointment for a guy who was considered to be a Heisman Trophy coming in, a Heisman Trophy candidate coming in. K.J. Costello is back. And how about these numbers? For a team that has a reputation for not throwing the football. Right? Would would you guys agree that that is the reputation of Stanford? Absolutely. Good offensive lines, good running game, quarterback that just manages the game. Yeah, that's their brand. And nerds. What? what, Hey, Dad. (laughs) Yeah. Would you believe me if I told you that Stanford had more pass attempts last year than Ole Miss? Wow. I I mean, I believe you because I don't think you're lying, but that's really hard to believe. As a team, Stanford had 419 pass attempts. K.J. Costello, 269 of 413 for 3,540 yards, 29 touchdowns, and uh, 11 picks. Part of that was because he had such a stud in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who was over a 1,000-yard receiver. They lose their top three receivers. Those numbers shock me, though. I was looking up the uh, Ole Miss season stats from last year earlier today. And, oh, I lied to you. I was not, I didn't factor in Matt Corral's numbers. Ole Miss threw it 441 times. But still, if I had told you that Stanford was in within 25 pass attempts of Ole Miss a year ago, you would have been surprised, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Borky, you maintain that South Carolina has the most difficult schedule in all of college football. I do. Right? Yes, I do. And that is because they have North Carolina in the non-conference out of the ACC and their crossover games are Alabama and Texas A&M. That and then Clemson at the end of the year. Oh, geez, I forgot Clemson. Yeah, I agree with you. They do. But this one's pretty darn good. Stanford opens, uh, opens the year with Northwestern. They play nine conference games. 
They have a road trip to UCF in week three. And they close the season with Notre Dame. And their road games in conference play are Southern Cal, Oregon State, Colorado, and Washington State. That is not easy. No, not at all. And good for Stanford, by the way, not doing the Florida thing that we're too good to go to UCF. That's a tough game for them. It's a no-reward game, and they're still playing it. I love that. Hey, Dad, do you like that schedule? That's a tough schedule. That UCF game is very, very interesting to me because that that's UCF's moments, right? Right. If they if they win that game, they can they can really make a case that they deserve to play with the big boys. But if they lose to a Stanford team that's you know it's good but not great, uh, you you find it difficult to take them seriously going forward. Yeah, Stanford predicted by Phil Steele third in the Pac-12 South or is it the North? It's, uh, they're the North. Yeah, they're in the North. Pac-12 North. Behind Oregon and Washington, which is kind of where you would expect them to be picked. It picked. Am I crazy for thinking that that's not a great matchup for UCF? That that that, that UCF team is kind of built on speed and finesse, and I know they're incredibly athletic, and maybe they can just run Stanford all over the place. But Stanford feels like a team that against somebody like UCF would be trying to come in and pose their will and just punch them in the mouth. Yeah, that, that's, it, it'll, it'll be sort of a, an, an Alabama or a Georgia light that they're just going to be physical and, and just try to manhandle them up front. If they can do it, if they can do it, then you have to believe that the better SEC teams can do it as well. Yeah. Is is it difficult to go most famous alumni at Stanford? Ah, uh, they got a lot. They they do have a lot. I feel like Tiger needs to be on there, just be, even because I feel like he transcends sports a little bit. Uh, and then I'm gonna go with politics for my other two: President Herbert Hoover and uh, Justice on the Supreme Court Sandra Day O'Connor. Aunt Becky's daughter too. Well, she Aunt Becky's famous. I don't know about the daughter so much. I know she's an Instagram influencer, well, but those are. I thought she went to Southern Cal. Oh, is that not? No, I thought it was the state. Or is that the? She was trying to get to Southern Cal. Which? Uh, yeah, it was, was Southern Cal because she was on the yacht of a board, a member of the board of trustees at Southern Cal when the news broke that her mom was getting arrested. Oh yeah. Wonder if they turned that boat around. Lot, there lot there are a lot of good ones to choose oh, yeah. from oh, at yeah. Stanford. When you got Sergey Brin and Larry Page, the founders of Google. Yeah. Ted Koppel. Tiger's not a grad. He just had one year at Stanford. Yeah, still. Reese Witherspoon has one of the all-time great getting arrested videos. Not to mention how good she was in Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, whatever. I, I care more about the Don't You Know Who I Am, You Can't Arrest My Husband video. Well, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> you know what the cop did? Arrested her husband. <laughs> Put both of them in the back of his car. John Elway? <laughs> John Elway, but that's all sports. John Steinbeck now, on the other hand. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Star in the upcoming Top Gun film, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, is she in the uh, the new Top Gun? Yes, she is. Very good. Sally Rod. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Elon Musk. Mitt Romney. Wait, JFK went to Stanford? What? Where do you see that? I was just oh, yeah. scrolling through notable alumni from Stanford University, and this shows John F. Be. Kennedy. I thought he was a Harvard guy. 
He went to Harvard and then he joined the Navy, right? Let's do a little more digging on that. Let's see what the what does the wiki say? That's an that's an interesting claim made by uh, Stanford University. Uh, Harvard uh, bachelor's of arts from Harvard, and I guess an, uh, a postgraduate degree from Stanford. He audited classes at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. We're not counting that. He audited them for God's sakes. Didn't even get a real grade. No. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Little info for you, thanks to my friend John Harris, who just sent me this message uh, just moments after we hung up with John. uh, The Houston Texans announced that they had signed a free agent deal with former Ole Miss quarterback uh, Jordan Tamu. Uh, they picked him up uh, earlier today and waived DJ Coker, uh, center, uh, who was originally from Rhodes College. Uh, so congratulations to Jordan Tombo, just picked up by the uh, Houston Texans. Uh, A.J. McCarron got hurt yesterday, and so they needed another quarterback on the roster, and Jordan Tombo gets that spot. That's pretty cool. Now, wasn't he there already in some capacity where now they just gave him a deal? I think they had brought him in for a tryout, with, but had he signed on their practice squad? I don't think so. I mean, they can have 90 guys with them right now, most of whom aren't on a deal. Yeah. Well. But either way, now he is on one. So yeah, you, you you got a better shot of making a roster when you're with the team as a free agent than uh, than otherwise. So we'll uh, we'll see how that uh, how that turns out. Um, you can text the show on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. I, I crowdsourced the Pearl River Resort pick of the day yesterday that worked well should i continue to do that borky or does that kind of defeat the purpose uh it doesn't defeat the purpose and you can be selective if we're crowdsourcing it uh, we'll get multiple and you can pick the one you like the best i would avoid mls does it have to be something that we, we know the result of tomorrow can we when we do some futures here we can because like i mentioned earlier the premier league Starts this weekend. You could you could do some picks in that. I Would you like it right if I here. chose Manchester United? Manchester United, you're going yeah. out on a limb, friend. That, that's a tough one. I don't think they're going to win it. They're not going to be very good this year. And they might. They and then they're what? They finished sixth last year. I, they could leap up into the top four. I guess they're not going to win the, the league. You you would have liked it better if I had said Man City. Man City is is the odds on favorite. They're you yeah, they're Laying one to two, yeah. But hey, Dad, I'm kind of a Man U guy. Can't pick thirty to City. one. That's, that's a rival. Which is the Man U one? is thirty to one. Man U. They're, I mean, they're the New York Yankees of the Premier League, right? Yes. Who should I pick? I mean, Leicester City had that miracle deal a few years ago. Is Leicester have they been relegated or are they still up? No, they're still up. I mean, Leicester sitting at two hundred to one. It's always interesting to look at the odds outside of the. Uh, you know, you do the big six, right? Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Chelsea, Man U, and Arsenal. All of them from one to two to thirty to one. The next team down goes to two hundred to one, and then it goes as far as five thousand to one with the teams that came up last year from relegation. 
And I think the year that Leicester City won it, they had, their odds were like four or five thousand to one. They were five thousand to one. What about Newcastle? Newcastle sitting at a pretty five hundred to one. It's also a I soccer club. Saw it in a movie, and I know it's a beer. They have the striped jerseys, right? That's correct. Look at the look at you go. I'm so I'm so happy. You got to go with Chelsea ball. though. If you're going to go this route, you got to pick the team with the Wonder Boy on it. Thirty to one. Gonna be, it's going to be a rebuilding year at Stamford Bridge. Christian Pulisic, Captain America, already the greatest American soccer player to ever live. Doesn't have the accolades, but from a talent standpoint, yeah. what he can do actually on the field, he's the greatest to ever live. We can already. also get the odds to win the top goal scorer. Harry Kane is the favorite at four to one. Is Mo he as Sala. good as Messi? By the way, Pulisic? Pulisic? Uh, no, no. He's good as Freddie Adu. <laughs> yes. Well, he's actually I read a story about Freddie Adu not too long ago. <laughs> the next generation's coming. Um, this guy's actually good. He's playing in the Premier League. Freddie so. Adu was good when he was like nine. When he was nine, he was fantastic. Yeah, he burned out, man. There, there. Like Bryce Harper's and LeBron James are unique examples of guys that when they were sixteen, everybody thought they were going to be great, and they ended up being just that. There are so many examples of burnouts, and he was one of them. I thought the not lack of academies and lack of structure and lack of soccer was the problem. How do you get burnt out if you're not in an academy? You can get, I mean, there's... He signed a professional contract at like 13. Yeah. Is that legal? Absolutely. Yeah. Soccer it is. Just can't do it in uh, college football. How do you get to games? You can't drive. Yeah. Christian Pulisic's dad used to have, to have to drive him to practice in Germany when he was playing for Dortmund. I'm taking over nine and a half in the Yankees-Orioles game tonight. That seems like a very safe bet. Well, I mean, you know, safe bet's relative, right? I mean, you either win it or yeah. you lose it. But the Yankees have hit a bunch of home runs. They love hitting at Camden Yards. So, uh, I'll go over the 9.5 for Yankees-Orioles for the Pearl River Resorts lock of the day, pick of the day, I guess. The... Uh, Sportsbook Timeout Lounge at the Golden Moon Casino in Philadelphia. We will be there before too terribly much longer. In fact, three weeks from tomorrow, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at the Sportsbook. Look forward to that. With football that night. Oh, yeah, we will, won't we? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank Studio. College football fix when we come back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Branch locations all across North Mississippi. The corporate headquarters is in Senatobia. Clarksdale, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, New Albany, Starkville, Kosciuszko, and Louisville. Those are all places where you can stop in your local Mississippi Land Bank office and talk to them about your needs, whether you're a farmer with equipment needs, trying to buy a new piece of property, get a production loan, or maybe refinance an existing loan, or you're ready to build a dream house in the country. Get out to a spot where you can stretch your legs just a little bit, maybe get room for the kids to roam around on four-wheelers, you got a pond in the front yard, whatever it is that you want, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing and refinancing land for over 100 years. That is Mississippi Land Bank. We're glad to have you along. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. 
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Hurry up and sale, uh, hurry up and save. Sales event is going on right now. You can save big money on F-150, the best-selling truck in America. 2020 college football schedule release for SEC teams out today. Hey, Dad, you're going to get a, uh, a big dose of home games early in the year for Mississippi State next year. They will open with New Mexico on September 5th. By the way, next year is a one-open-date season, not a two-open-date season like this year. New Mexico in Week 1, road game to Raleigh, North Carolina in Week 2. they got to go to NC State, and then three straight home games, Arkansas, Tulane, and Texas A&M. Let's start there, first five games of the year. Yeah, you've got uh, some winnable games in there, obviously, you know, Three of your non-conference games, North Carolina State and Mississippi State, that's a you know two mid to higher mid-tier teams in their respective conferences. Obviously, it'd be tough on the road. And of course, we're talking about an MSU team that we don't know who the quarterback is going to be in 2020. Uh, it's interesting to see Arkansas in September. I don't know. I think that's, that's got to be the yeah. That's the earliest state, to my knowledge, has ever played Arkansas. And then you know Texas A&M. State's had some success against them uh, recently. We'll see if that can continue. Obviously, this year and then going into next year. So. You know, of those first five games, you feel pretty good about state's chances, just on paper, and we're looking way ahead. But to be, you know, no worse than four and one going into October, and then it happens. You gotta hold on now. I, I know it's too early for twenty twenty predictions, but yeah. no question, four and one going no, so into the got, open day. I feel like you got a good chance to be four and one. That's what I said. A good chance. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Arkansas will be in year three of Chad Morris. They're getting better be, every week. That will be. You get them early though, so they can't get better every week. Year three for Jimbo and A and M. Yeah. Then the open date, and then you're right; it happens. Consecutive weekends after the open date in Tuscaloosa and in Baton Rouge, and then you get to come home for Auburn and Missouri. Whew. Yeah. Is it? Am I the only one that's I, state is playing Alabama on the third Saturday of October? So much for tradition and rivalries. I say, I'm, I, that's the, we're holding up the the the, uh, the cross divisional games for that Alabama Tennessee game, but they can't even get it on the third Saturday. Uh, that's the yeah. earliest state has played Alabama since 1942. Ooh, who won that year? <laughs> Guess. You were right. <laughs> was and that the Auburn only won. loss? What was it? 1942, the big year? No, 41's the. Uh, the unofficial oh. national championship year. And I got gotcha. you. Auburn on Halloween night. Uh, uh, How about that? Yeah. Home game, Halloween night. We assume night. We don't know for sure yet, obviously. But. In Starkville, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then close it out with Kentucky on the road, Alabama A&M, so a, uh, a pseudo-bye week before the Egg Bowl, yeah. which will be on Thanksgiving in Oxford. Couple of notes there. Missouri's first trip to Starkville since they joined the conference only took eight years. Uh, Kentucky in November is just as weird as Arkansas in September. They basically have switched places. Uh, and then, yeah, fourth, fourth straight Egg Bowl uh, on Thanksgiving. State will be in Oxford Thanksgiving night. Ricky's Ole Miss's schedule is a complete fail. What? It's a complete fail. They are open on Halloween. 
We can go trick-or-treating in Borky's neighborhood. They do not play on <laughs> Halloween night. And they play LSU in September in Baton Rouge. That game should always be on Halloween. What is the pass-fail grade on this? I don't understand. Ha- having Halloween off sounds awesome. Does it? Yeah, it sounds incredible. Are you still into, like, let's go as a gigolo on Halloween night? Um, <laughs> no, but, like... I don't know. Crank up the that David Lee Roth, Borky. Let's go. I'm going to be such a crank on Halloween because my son should be about a week old at that time. And if anybody knocks on my door when oh, I have a he'll one be week a old, year and a week old. Yeah, we're talking Halloween. Oh, yeah, we're talking 2020, man. Oh yeah. Well then, uh, do you dress up? Do they do one year olds know? Like yes. You do they the know? One hundred percent. Yes, they dress get, up. Yes. Yeah. Don't yes. don't you, take Richard's costume suggestions, but dress the kid up. <laughs> um, you can, you can you can really exact a high dad tax at one at one though they they can't eat that much candy. Jeez, you don't eat candy anymore though. I might have a little candy on Halloween. Ole Miss is scheduled twenty twenty released today, Baylor, on opening day September fifth in Houston. So the same way oh. that Ole Miss opened the season last year, that'll be what year four for Matt Rule at Baylor. Sounds right. Yeah, this is year three. That'll be a fun trip because I enjoyed NRG in Houston in general. Um, it's a great stadium. It was a great stadium. Um, super nice. Yeah. Um, then after that, they didn't. The SEC didn't do them any favors. Their first oh, no. three SEC games are what I, I wrote this earlier today. But uh, uh, what what's the order? It's it's. It, it, it's Auburn, Baylor, and Southeast Missouri. And Baylor in Houston, then Southeast Missouri, and then it is Auburn at LSU, at and LSU, and Alabama in three consecutive weeks. Yeah, what did the SEC office uh, do to the state of Mississippi? Or other way around, what did the state of Mississippi do to the SEC office that the, both teams are playing Alabama, LSU, Auburn back to back to back? My God, it's punishment for the call to the principal's office. Yeah, <sighs> no kidding. Um, and then after that, it lightens up a little bit. You go at Vandy, although that game in Nashville seems to get weird uh, pretty regularly. Florida comes to Oxford for the first time in a long time. A like, long I, time. I don't remember the last time that happened. Was It didn't happen under Freeze, and I don't believe it happened under Nutt. I swear all Florida hasn't come to Oxford since uh, Ed Orgeron was the head coach. When's, uh, when was the last time they played in Oxford? I'm pretty sure it was like 06, 07. Because they went to the Swamp in 08. And won. Right. Has Ole Miss not played Florida since... Two th- oh, well, no, they played in the game where I got run over on the sideline in the Swamp a few years ago. But, yeah. Uh, so they hadn't been in a while. And so like, it kind of opens up at the end of the year to where they could, you know, put a couple wins. It's the complete opposite of... Uh, well, tra- traditionally, Ole Miss's schedule has been easier on the front end and then backloaded. Usually you've got Alabama in the front half of the schedule, but then it gets a little more difficult in the second half of the schedule. Um, so Auburn at LSU and Alabama on consecutive Saturdays, September 19th, 26th, and then October 3rd, at Vanderbilt on the 10th, Florida on the 17th, Middle Tennessee on October 24th. So eight straight games before an open date. And then back-to-back road games at A&M and at Arkansas. And then they host Georgia Southern and Mississippi State on Florida, Thanksgiving night. Florida hasn't come to Oxford since uh, September 22nd of 2007. 
I it's really just don't such feel like shame. you're in the same conference. If it, other than the East team you play every year, it's like you're not in the same conference as these teams. Yeah, I would agree with that. So opens up for a little bit for Ole Miss at the end of the year. Um, only one bye week. Um, I've never really had a strong take on the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving night. I probably would prefer it on Saturday, but like I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, I do think if they're going to keep co- trying to compete, like the NFL seems to own Thanksgiving, so like this idea of it being the standalone college football game and like for exposure, I'm not necessarily sure I buy into it that much. Um, and yeah, you've got Saints Falcons on Thanksgiving Day this year. Ample amounts of examples of no one involved being interested in like you know growing the team's profile. So. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. Interesting schedule. I'm that's really, a that's a brutal schedule, isn't it? The beginning doesn't seem uh, seem great. I mean, there's a real chance, assuming they handle Semo, uh, that they're you go one and four. I mean, if 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 you got out of that, if by some crazy, if you got out of that first five games, three and two. Goodness, if you got out of those first five games, two and three. Yeah, I was about to ask. Or, yeah, two, three, three. three I mean, two would be a three and two would be a win over Baylor, a win over Southeast Missouri, and then getting Auburn, one LSU. against Auburn, LSU, and Alabama. Probably not beating Alabama. I'll go ahead and stick Ooh. my neck out for that prediction. Yeah, it seems reasonable. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. That's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. I mentioned this yesterday. We'll circle back to it. Bill Bender at the Sporting News wrote a column for his playoff sleeper list. And the way they they, they put it together, they went with the, the Power Five leagues, and he had to pick a potential sleeper for the playoff, and he laid it out in a way of why it could happen. Do you really believe that it could happen? Start with the SEC. Bill Bender says... Playoff sleeper, Auburn. Why it could happen, because it's Auburn and you never really know what's going to happen under Gus. Joey Gatewood or Bo Nix could solidify the quarterback position. When the Tigers have that handled, they can beat anybody. Defensive line will be tough. The Tigers beat Oregon convincingly in the opener. They could jump back into the top ten after just one week. Do you really believe it? They play at A&M, Florida, and LSU before November. And then the rest of their games are at Jordan-Hare, but that includes games against Georgia and Alabama. So the question of, do you really believe that it could happen? No. And I know, hey, Dad, you don't believe it could happen. This whole thing, we don't really know what Auburn is. Yes, we do. They're a team that's going to lose four to five games. That's what they're going to do. Well, to his point, if the quarterback's good, they're pretty much set everywhere else. You know, if you listen to my interview with Brandon Marcello that I did on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, available at supertalk.fm, you would hear a guy who covers Auburn who tells you they got some question marks. And they're not as good defensively, he thinks, as I thought they were going to be. I asked him if they were going to be one of the better defenses in the country. He said, 
Maybe. Brandon Marcello wouldn't even like make eye contact and wave at me. Well, in Hoover, I can't even I can't. read his tweets because he's a sensitive Sally on the internet. Well, all these things may be very well true. Maybe your your truth, but I'm just saying, the man covers Auburn, and he doesn't see them as a a contender in the SEC this year. No, nor do I. Yeah, for for what it's worth. But if it turns out that either Bo Nix or Joey Gatewood is good, is really good, then Gus Malzahn, with a really good quarterback, tends to put up good results. And he'll have another chance to soil himself over attendance numbers. What? (laughs) Talking about Marcelo. That's why I'm blocked on Twitter. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, because he tried to come at you about you bragging on Mississippi baseball attendance, and he said, who Uh, cares about that? And then... I showed him that he has cared a lot about that in the past. Um, no, I don't think that Auburn's a contender <laughs> in, in the that. West I hope either. He's wiped since then. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so, or at least gotten a change uh, from his caretaker. But <laughs> hey, Dad, this is a tough crowd. I know, man. Gosh, I don't expect them to contend either. But dismissing how good they'll be on both sides of the ball up front. Is, is hard for me to do while also saying that I don't think they're going to compete. It's a weird juxtaposition, but they're going to be so good, especially on the defensive line. Good yeah, luck running on Auburn. Yeah, I think defensive line really, really good, but a ton of question marks on the offensive line because that was a bad offensive line last year. They're just hoping that the group coming back is better than they were a season ago. The article, because uh, we talked about this on the podcast last night, squatted on your uh, Nebraska take. So that's becoming more and more mainstream. Um so Okay, so so we'll jump to the uh to the Big 10. Nebraska as a playoff sleeper. Huskers were picked to win the Big 10 West and it's only Scott Frost's second season. That's a nod to the belief that sophomore quarterback Adrian Martinez will develop into a Heisman Trophy contender and that Nebraska could experience a similar breakthrough to the one that Frost led at UCF in year number two in 2017. They went undefeated, by the way. Huskers have two high-visibility chances to prove it in September. They go to Colorado in week two, and they host Ohio State on September 28th. That's the Big Ten home opener for Nebraska. So in the do-you-really-believe-it category, Bender writes that Nebraska, if Nebraska's 4-1 and one or better after September, then a trip to Indianapolis is possible for the Big Ten championship game, knowing Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Iowa all have to go to Lincoln. The offense will be good, but are we looking at a better black shirts defense? They allowed almost 40 points per game in their losses last year to Michigan, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Iowa. Defense has got to be better, a lot better if they're going to be a playoff contender. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Quarterback should be good. I have a feeling that they're going to go to Colorado and just beat the brakes off of Colorado. I mean, just an ugly win, and then everybody's going to talk Nebraska for the next couple of weeks, and then Ohio State's going to come in and knock them right back down to earth. Maybe so. The next one was interesting to me. Utah? Yeah. Out of the Pac-12. They are picked by the media in the Pac-12 to win the Pac-12 South. They return their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, their running back, Zach Moss, and a good defensive line. Um, Offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig is back, and 
Kyle Whittingham is a guy that traditionally deals well with expectations. The question of do you really believe it comes down to sweeping regular season road games at BYU, at Southern Cal, and at Washington and not having a head-scratching loss that would allow the committee to ditch a one-loss Pac-12 champion. I think Kyle Whittingham is a really good football coach. And Utah is consistent. And that's the other team that we kind of pointed at not too terribly long ago and said, eh, it could be a good team. In fact, didn't we do like a hot takes thing a while back, Borky, and it I predicted our, Utah to win it? Um most unpopular opinion, and, and that's what you've been on the Utah train for a while. Out of the Pac-12, I like Oregon myself, but uh, you've been tooting that horn. You Utah and Nebraska for you. You've been. I on was that. early on those two, but now it's a big party. You're a trendsetter. Yes, the standard yes, bearer. Out of the ACC, this is an interesting one. Potential playoff sleeper, Syracuse. Won 10 games last year in year three under Dino Babers. And a new quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who played a little bit last year. Got a really good defensive back in Andre uh, Andre Sisco. One of six Power 5 teams that averaged more than 40 points per game last season. Also in that group, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and West Virginia. So they can score with just about anybody. I think Syracuse was really good last year, and I think they'll be pretty good this year. But what I settled on on this is who else, because he, he had the qualifier that you had to pick one from each conference, right? Yeah. Who else are you picking from the ACC that would even make a lick of sense? Uh, Miami? People no. like Virginia, too, I guess. I would get on board with this if Syracuse was in the Coastal. Uh, they just share a division with Clemson, and that's just, that's just not going to happen. But... They beat Clemson two years ago in the Dome. Yes, they did. But got him coming in September 14th this year. Of course, that was a game that Kelly Bryant got hurt. Yeah, And then Trevor Lawrence got hurt against them this year, this past year, right? Yeah, they had, they had to, to win that game, game with a third string. Yeah, basically a, a guy that was training to become a coach. Hmm. Um, but a, that, I mean, the ACC championship game, you want to talk about boring conference championship games and uh, the counter-argument to why we shouldn't expand to eight and give five conference champions a game because whoever wins the Coastal is not going to be good. There's not a single good team in the Coastal Division at all. Uh, I mean, just average at best across the board the entire division. So if for some reason whoever wins the Coastal, I think Virginia is the favorite this year for whatever reason. Uh, let's say Trevor Lawrence gets hurt early in that ball game and Clemson messes around and the backup turns it over a couple times and Virginia wins, you want to send them to uh, the playoff? That's This is yeah. the kind of year where that will manifest. Yeah, that was a really bad championship game. I mean, last year the Pitt-Clemson line for a conference championship game was 27 and a half. That doesn't seem right. Hmm. Out of the Big 12... It was announced today that Iowa State has set an all-time school record for season tickets sold. Iowa State picked to finish third in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma and Texas. question becomes whether or not Matt Campbell can break through into that top two. Cyclones have won eight games in each of the last two years. Quarterback Brock Purdy is back. Iowa State is 5-4 and four against the top 25 in the last two seasons, 3-1 and one against the top 10, and Matt Campbell is emerging as a big game coach. 
They won eight last year after starting the season one and three, and they can't have that happen again. Which means they're going to have to snap a four-game losing streak to in-state rival Iowa out of the Big Ten. Says if they can win that one and split the two-game stretch of at Oklahoma and at Texas, the names will be crazy at the end of November. Seems like a pretty tall order to win at Oklahoma on November 9th and then turn around a week later and win at Texas. Matt Campbell, didn't he sign a big contract to stay at Iowa State last season? Yes. He did. Yeah, and they're uh, the most experienced team, for whatever that may be worth to you, in the Big 12. Most returning starts in the conference. Some interesting thoughts there from uh, Bill Bender at Sporting News on his playoff sleepers. A Super Talk Mississippi media production. 